0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically.
1: Hello and welcome to Science Faction 690. Science Faction, little big discoveries, and siffle this. Little big discoveries,
0: you know, that sounds like like the shittiest uh, child's understanding of science. Like, you know, the littlest discovery would go a long way when in reality, if you discovered, you know, a unified field theory, if you discovered quantum mechanics, anything really small, that's really good. The big things That's true. That's any asshole can study the big things.
1: Well, that would be a little big discovery, it would be if you got some kind of unified field theory, I mean, at least to the point of that transition in between the quantum and the macro, that would be a little big theory. Exactly, which is which is huge. It's not like a little big theory is actually like striking gold. Like it's like
0: hitting oil yeah. in the backyard. Like that's, it's not like a quaint consolation prize that a scientist gets.
1: That's that's what I always explain to my wife. Listen, honey, anybody can have a big one. I This, this is a special little big one. It's a different... <laughs> You are, you don't know how
0: lucky you are, babe. I'm going to be honest with you. It's, it's going right over your head. I mean, it's going under your knees, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it's just... Provided that my pelvis is also below your knees because it's not <laughs> hanging there. I'm telling you, <laughs> no, it's not, it's, it's not good. Getting...
1: Not at all. None. None. I just meant that I'm bad at aiming. Oh, uh, <laughs> And if you're bad at aiming, go ahead and check out our Patreon. You can search Robert Timothy on Patreon for extra science articles every single week. And that means that I, of course, am your host, comedian archaeologist Robert Timothy. With me, as always, is my comedian, Mr. Damien Mercado. Damien, how are you doing this afternoon?
0: Doing fantastic. Revitalized. Um, this, uh, I- I've been sick with with some unknown alien virus for the last like two weeks, it's taken me out, and I finally mm-hmm. I'm I'm finally just coughing like five percent of the day, as opposed to like just you know uh, nonstop
1: throughout the day. Wow! So you're you're basically living large at this point.
0: Yep. Fortunately, I've done this dance with uh, with asthma for a while, so you know you you take some steroids. But my God, I'm wondering if there is there a secret COVID because I was my wife and I were (laughs) sick, like we had COVID. We took we took several tests. I even took one at the hospital. Not COVID. Is there like a secret? Like is like a cool COVID that you get for like you know the extra that's on the DL.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. We've been sick nonstop in our house because we have two young kids, and what the doctor told us is basically this is, you're getting huge rebound effects from kids being out of school for years. And so now they're coming back into school and the stuff that they would have gotten at two, three, four, five, like they're just getting in one big wave now and people are catching diseases all at once. And so one, it seems like you're perpetually sick. I feel like my house, we've been sick for like the past three months or more. And then number two, it's like, Way worse than a normal cold because sometimes it's something you haven't had for a while, and sometimes it's just like five things at once that are all kicking your ass.
0: Yeah, well, whatever it was, um, it, it it was uh, the first time I had COVID, my wife and I have COVID was worse. Every other time, this cold was like the colds are like the buff dudes, uh, like they've been at the gym while while COVID was yeah. out, like wrecking the street. Cold, cold was like, I'm getting back in the gym, I'm gonna make something of it. I used to be pretty athletic in high school, let's see what I can do. Next thing you know, uh, it has a brown belt in jujitsu. And is uh, wrapping my uh, immune system in uh, fucking Gamora. In any case it was the flu? Uh,
1: tested that for the hospital, too. No, okay. unless, unless the hospital's wrong. No, no, I trust them. I mean, I, yeah, it's just, wow. So, yeah, you just, it, again... Wife had something similar, I will say, and I don't know if this comforts you. This comforted us, but it might not offer you the same comfort. When my wife went to the doctor and was like, I feel like I've been sick nonstop for you know weeks, and she ended up getting pneumonia from it, the doctor was like, yeah, I've been seeing this a lot in two groups of people, the parents of young children and people with HIV. So hopefully that makes you feel a little bit better.
0: Yeah, you uh, you texted me that, and uh, and I was a little <laughs> high, so I had to come clean with my wife, and I've been sharing intravenous drugs and uh, it kind of was a scare for us all. So thanks for texting that into my life. I was kind of hoping to save that for a birthday surprise or something.
1: It's okay. I've been sharing intravenous drugs, but it's okay, only with dogs. <laughs>
0: sorry about the Gerardia, babe. Yeah, listen, you might get worms, but there's no way you're getting <laughs> HIV. I hang out with some really cool dogs. Let's let's get that out of the way.
1: Uh, let's move right on to science articles. From molecules to particles, this is science articles. I'm just constantly getting busted by McGruff. Like, oh, God, <laughs> he's
0: back on us again. <laughs> he follows me for like, he's made, he's made promotions off of me. Civil asset forfeiture. I've bought the department so much shit just because I happen to drive with cash.
1: Oh, those those trench coats are fucking cashmere, I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, dear article number one, biggest little discovery in a long time. Go on with your quantum discovery. Uh, this is actually a bit bigger than that. So this has to do with some very interesting little creatures, if you want to call them that, that we just discovered. Which is interesting in and of itself. It's a whole new class of creatures that we just discovered. But what's that makes them even more interesting is they're inside of our bodies. This is a very, very interesting story. It's only on preprint journals, so it hasn't actually been peer reviewed at the time we are taping this, though hopefully it will be soon. And it's about a new class of possibly living creatures. It's gonna depend how you want to define that, called obelisks. Like the, the monkeys in a space odyssey are like uh yes. are losing their shit too? It's named after that because they like appear very similar when you look under a microscope. Now, this is basically a tiny little form of RNA, kind of like a virus. Now, the reason I'm talking about, you know, is it really a form of life? We've talked about this a bit on this show before. Oftentimes we consider viruses to not be living. They're not alive because they don't have their own metabolism. So they can't actually do their own work. They have to kind of hijack uh, an animal or a bacteria or a plant cells and cause it to do the work and, you know, reproduce for it and run all the the functioning and stuff like that, produce its own proteins and stuff. Whereas any other thing, even a small bacterium or something like that has its own metabolism and does its own shit and, you know, it eats other stuff, but it doesn't need somebody else to kind of do its work for it. It's not as lazy. A bacteria is hardworking. A virus just goes in and has the machinery of something else's cell do the work for it.
0: You see, that's the, the crazy thing is in in biology we tend to like really uh, we we tend to really admire the shortcuts that nature takes mm-hmm. and like so called life, you know. But with the virus, they don't get that exception. Like, no, you no. Don't, you know, you don't get to freeload off my cellular respiration, Bucko.
1: <laughs> so again, uh, that's a tiny little piece get of RNA. Get your
0: own glucose. <laughs> there,
1: there's an even smaller type of RNA. I don't know, entity that we have uh, discovered before called a viroid. So a viroid is similar to a virus. The difference is, and here's a quote from the article, viroids are an infectious loop of RNA without the typical protein shell of viruses, end quote. It's actually a simpler form of, if you want to call it life, it's not really life, a simpler form of some kind of organism. As the snail is to a slug the viroid yes. is to a virus yes that's a great example imagine that shell is a protein shell <laughs> and that is that's exactly what's going on and uh, so we've known about viroids since like the 1980s or or, or so and uh, we know they cause big problems in certain plant groups they can cause certain types of blights and deformations in certain common crops like potatoes and flowers and things like that so we've known about their existence because of their effects for a long time and this this little obelisk this type of you know short RNA sequence they discovered is basically very similar to a viroid except viroids we used to think were only in plants they were in things like potatoes in things like flowers but now we seem to find these circular little RNA viroids in humans specifically in the gut and saliva of our microbiome. So they're infecting the bacteria that is involved in our microbiome of both of our mouth and our gut. We actually think they're preferentially in the mouth in like saliva, but uh, because you swallow and they get down in your gut, they go down there too. The newest, the the paper that discovered them and started looking for them actually found them present in about 7% of gut microbiomes and 50% of mouth microbiome bacteria. I think that's the individual bacteria themselves. So like quite prevalent in saliva. And that's really, really interesting that this thing has been with us essentially the whole time. And we didn't even know it was there nor that it existed. I'd like to go back a second. You mentioned um,
0: that viroids are commonly found in uh, potato blights and anything Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and, and and plant diseases. Mm -hmm. Now uh, it is, do do those spread when like a plant gets sick, uh, but then proceeds to go out throughout chores throughout the day, a potato coughs in the aisle. Uh, How do these viroids tend to spread with such sedentary... um...
1: Well, just like, I mean, plants have bacteria and fungal and and viral infections that can colonize them just the same. Sometimes they're spread by the pollinizer of that plant. So maybe it's like a bee or a butterfly. Sometimes they're spread literally by the wind. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, contact because plants oftentimes will grow, grow close enough together to have physical contact. So it all depends on like the individual pathogen, but... Pathogens spreading through plants is not like super uncommon.
0: No, I, I just was curious because like, you know, I, the pathogens that spread is that like the slow lane? Like the really like the uh yeah. like the sloths at the DMV if we're watching Zootopia. Like those tend to be the viruses that tend to adapt to plants, whereas like the the uh the viruses that got someplace to be, uh they're the ones that attack uh, uh eukaryotes.
1: If you want to break it down to its uh, basis form, technically, these are vegan viroids. You know, oh. they're only going to infect plants. They're so morally superior. Fuck them. <laughs>
0: Fuck them. Just because I'm killing the earth with my burger.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. So again, 7%, percent we found them in 7% of gut bacteria, 50% of saliva microbiome bacteria. That's very, very big numbers for something that we didn't know existed, you know, two weeks ago. And this might impact how we either diagnose or treat specific human ailments. We know again the downstream effects on plants can be dramatic and cause blights or or die-offs or something like that. What does it mean for humans? What if these particular infectious agents are infecting the bacteria of our microbiome and altering the percentage of good bacteria to bad bacteria in certain people and causing issues? What if their lack of presence in certain instances causes issues because they're not regulating the good bacteria to bad bacteria ratio? what if one group gets out of control and fucks up all the good stuff that's in our mouth and that ends up being progenitor to certain diseases? It would be very interesting to see what the long-term implications of this discovery are. You know, how finding this tiny little segment of replicating RNA and something that we thought only existed in, like as a huge class of life only existed in plants, but now we feel, realize it's animals and it's us. It's coming from inside the house. It'd be <laughs> interesting to see if that ends up impacting what we... We think of as like medical diagnostic tests. What if it doesn't even cause issues, but it can tell us issues like we can figure out your microbiome is out of whack more easily by looking for these obelisks than we could by looking at direct microbiome comparisons for one reason or another. Like it will be interesting to see the downstream effects on what it means in terms of human health in the long term.
0: It's like how uh, uh, Gandalf said that uh, of of Smeagol that he doesn't know what part he has to play in all of this, but he has a part to play. I got you. These mouth smeagles. I don't know why they used the term obelisk when mouth smeagle was available. <laughs> was so many time and time again. People from your profession dropped
1: the ball. or honorific scientists dropped the ball. Mouth smeagle definitely sounds like a sexually submissive position. <laughs> uh, we're
0: sorry. Uh, you have an infection of mouth smeagles. We're gonna. We 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 honestly we don't know what to do. Uh, this is still a new field of science for us. Uh, we've tried melting gold rings into your mouth. Uh, nothing's worked, sir. <laughs> it has, your mouth has to be destroyed. <laughs> the volcano that made it.
1: I just feel like Mouse Meagle is the only role that Paul Giovanni's character on Billions can get off to. Like, that's the only <laughs> way he can find sexual satisfaction. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm a big enough star. I think, I think if I don't want to be peed on, no, the director <laughs> says I still have to be peed on.
1: All right, well. Oh, dear. And then, you know, the, all the other question, follow-up questions that come with that, you know, how do these things spread between people? Obviously, saliva is a big thing. Maybe it's like kissing. Are these going to be part of an important microbiome alteration where, you know, we carry around the, similar to we carry around parts of the microbiome that our mother gave us, you know, a couple hours after we're born. Are we going to carry around the microbiome of the first person we made out with? In which case, again, it's probably some kind of cool dog for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
0: it's, Bobby, how are you going to get cool dogs to hang to hang out with you and give you their drugs if you're not willing to make out with them? I also like the like Christian pastors from when we were a kid were right. You're not just kissing them; you're kissing every yes. person. Oh I man, I'm kissing a dude? every
1: viroid that that person kissed.
0: I got some dude's mouth smeggles in me. Oh my god. <laughs>
1: And then, the, and then the pastor gets a glint in your eye. Oh, shit. You know about mouse spiegeling?
0: <laughs> he was a very ahead of his time pastor, science-wise.
1: Article number two, siffle this.
0: Siffle D's. I thought that's where you were going. I see. I saw this. This is good. We, uh, I know I know what this is about. And uh, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years.
1: You know, I had to cover this because this is one of those things I casually said, I think it was on a Patreon episode, that, uh, you know, I I kind of inferred because we saw all these studies about how uh, young people especially are having less sex nowadays, and I talked about like an addict control STD epidemic, and I was like, of course that's bad science, we're not having nearly as much sex. It turns out that they, indeed, young people are not having as much sex, however, and here's the headline of this particular article, syphilis cases are at the highest levels they've been at since the 1950s. Is this because a bunch of boomers are finally forced to go to the hospital
0: and they're like, you've had syphilis for free- you? No wonder you've been such a Trump fanatic and just and, and just coughing with the mask thing all over the place.
1: The reasons for this are multitude and not always fully understood. But I'm going to go into some of them with you, including the in crazy research rabbit hole I went down. And this this rise is meteoric because I rem- one of the reasons I was pretty sure when I casually said, oh, our STD rates are going down is because we were talking about STD rates. I think it was like 2016 or 2017. We did a story on STD rates and how much they had dramatically dropped and it had to do with the amount of protection that was used, you know, starting in the 90s at the HIV epidemic and the scares that were going on with that and how we grew up in an era where condom use was just normal, whereas that was not necessarily the case for previous And blah, 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 blah. Damien. Between 2018 and 2022, which is the last time we have data for this, syphilis cases rose in the United States by 80 percent.
0: Ass eating, is that the cause? It's just ass <laughs> eating, right? It's now that's now part of part of the uh, the move list. Eighty
1: percent, so- buddy. Eighty,
0: by what? Yeah. I, I, in fact, the next friend you have that you think is whimsically mad, uh, go ahead and get him tested. It's, uh, it's not worth it anymore.
1: It, this is crazy. By the way, we're not talking about like antibiotic treatment resistant syphilis. This isn't because of some super syphilis. It's not because it's not getting treated. It is because of a series of things, at least we think, we don't even know the full story. It's because of a series of things that have come together to kind of give us the this world. 80% in four years is insane. Those numbers almost don't make sense. If you think of the amount of, I think it took us like 40 years to knock that 80% to knock down from the 1950s to get there. And by the way, the reason we start seeing the decline in the fifties is because it's when antibiotics start becoming readily available. So then syphilis starts going away, which is you know easily treated by antibiotics at least used to be. And then it keeps going down and keeps going down and keeps going down until the till 2018 where it shoots back up between 2018 and 2022 by 80 fucking percent. I still, when I see numbers like that, it blows my mind. So let's talk about a couple of different things. Obviously, COVID played a role in this, not just because people were off work. So they were just fucking. It, there was also a lot of the fact that, you know, medical facilities weren't readily available to a lot of people, including the ability to get regular STD checkups. There were times during COVID that we all remember where it was probably pretty irresponsible to go to a doctor to try and get an STD test because there was fucking people dying there. They had better shit to do. <laughs> and that has kind of, it's, so like a lot of things, it's kind of stuck around. Like I heard, I heard a similar report from dentists. You know, people stopped coming in during the pandemic and then some people just never came back, type thing. There is some element of that to STDs. There's some element of uh, telemedicine and being away from healthcare providers. There is a couple of things, but there's a few things that played in that I would not have thought of. One is the increase in the opiate epidemic, which has a direct correlation to unprotected sex for obvious reasons. You know, you're. Yeah, once you're cool in one way, you're probably going to be cool in other ways. <laughs> like all those dogs <laughs> God,
0: Bobby keep their name out of your mouth you keep Rambo and Sunshine's name out of your mouth Bobby
1: <laughs> they make fun of you absolutely fucking crazy so yeah you, if you're you know completely messed up on opiates you're more likely to have protection of the sex also and, and we kind of miss this wave I think Davian but the younger wave of Gen Z tends to use condoms less even though they're having less sex they use condoms less less than me I'd, I know, I wasn't I take condoms off other people. <laughs> yeah.
0: I save a lot of people from lame sex, Bobby. Okay, that's my superhero power. That's what I've chosen to do with my responsibility.
1: Yeah. So less people having sex, but less condom use. And then what else is interesting is there's also seems to be an amalgam of like some people are having a lot of sex, like some. <laughs> Yeah. Somebody's slaying a lot and they're not using condoms. And so that is a, you know, re- if a hundred people are having sex and it's 50, 50 men and women, and they're pretty much paired off and there's, you know, you're, you're scaling around and some people are hopping around having to, a, having to a, if one or two people end up having an STD in that in the end, after everything's said and done, maybe six or seven have them. But if it's like two dudes banging like. 30 women, they're all having unprotected sex and one or two of them has an STD. Well, 32 people now have an STD. Like that's just the way it works. And so that is bouncing around. And so that made me think like, holy shit, can opiates really account for this much? And, you know, I we talk about fentanyl and all that stuff on this show quite a bit. The, the opiate epidemic has gotten insane. The fentanyl additive to that has gotten insane. And I was just like, you know what? I wonder what the difference is. I wonder what like opiate deaths are now versus eh, whenever and i'll go back and look so damien i went and looked 2010 which is like two years before we started the show 2010 to today what do you think the death rate the opiate death not drug overdoses overall just opiate overdoses in 2010 was what do you think it is today in 2010 versus today yeah how many people were dying every year in the united states from opiate overdoses in 2010 which, by the way, that is still in the height of the overprescription pandemic, which was starting in the mid-aughts. So, like, it's not like this is pre-opiate pe- epidemic. This is in the opiate crisis.
0: I'm going to say 5,000 people a year in 2010 and uh-huh. versus 2022, I believe you said. I am going to say 50,000 people a year?
1: Very good guesses. Very good guesses. We were at about 20,000. Per year, opiate deaths in 2010, which is still gigantic. Again, remember this is this is Florida pill mills going crazy with no regulation times. This is I think there was like two or three Florida distributors that were distributing something like a million pills of of opiates a week. You know, people were driving around and picking them up and taking them back to Appalachia and stuff. So this is still this is what we thought was the height of the opiate epidemic, and it turned out to just be the beginning of it. Twenty thousand now. Over 80,000. Yep. Yep. Just opiates, the vast majority of which is just fentanyl or a mixture with fentanyl and methamphetamines. The entire drug overdose deaths per year is at like 110. It's fucking crazy. Like, that's insane. The fact that that is happening and the fact that it's taking out a substantial amount of young, healthy people that are otherwise, you know, very important in, to the economy and to society and culture. Like, you know, a lot of times we talk about suicide and suicide's horrible and we wish we could stop it and stuff. But what we don't talk about is how many people in that suicide uh, cohort are, you know, elderly and lonely and they've lived a life. Not I'm 17. It's graduation day. Let's party, and I'm dying, which is a lot of what the opiate op- epidemic is. Our our
0: previous generations, like they held, uh, you know, tobacco to account. We cannot do it. Any- we have unleashed a uh, opioid cancer <laughs> upon our society,
1: and um, we can't even really get the sacklers to pay. Fuck. It's it's utterly insane. I I mean I just I went down this research rabbit hole, and by the way, that's that's also with Narcan, like. If you take Narcan out of that, that number goes up into the triple digits tomorrow. Like that's a big deal. Like, Narcan saves so many lives every single day. And go can, America! Like, can you, Fuck yeah! Yeah, like can you imagine what a country? What that would be? It's it's absolutely devastating. And then I was like, wow, I wonder what this this is like compared to other countries. And I did well. Certainly, uh, we beat at them
0: at least like gun shooting deaths or something. Like
1: there has to be a statistic that <laughs> that we that we beat other countries and. Well, I looked at the deaths per like hundred million in differing countries, and again, this is this goes off from the syphilis thing, but I just I found this interesting. So I I was looking at the deaths per million people in uh, different countries, and you know it varies per year and stuff. But and I think they were doing all drug overdose deaths, maybe not just uh, heroin, but but uh, uh, but I was looking, and the U.S. has two hundred and ten. Drug deaths per million, which is a lot, because if you look at other countries in Europe, I think Sweden is, was second on the list of, of like countries in Europe that, uh, that died. And that was kind of a surprise because and, and I think they're at like 80 deaths per million. So not even close to our 210. You want to know the outlier that blows even the U.S. out of the water? We're blowing out. All of Europe, except one country, Damien, there is one country in Europe that makes our drug overdose deaths look like child's play. Can you guess that country?
0: See, like, I I was going to say Serbia, but Serbia, I imagine, has, like, real problems to deal with. Yeah. So, uh, let's say, I don't know. Like prudish dogs. (laughs) Who don't share their drugs. Uh, Portugal. Let's 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 pick on let's
1: pick on those paella-loving sons of bitches Scotland
0: Scotland uh, train spotting okay you know yeah. All right
1: yeah US 210 deaths per million next second highest country in the in the in Europe like Sweden is like 80 and the, by the way it, it quickly drops down most of the countries in Europe are under 50 deaths per million and Scotland's at 300 plus I wonder what the see cuz America you know we just prescribed
0: it like crazy but as far as I know from train spotting Scotland just loves its heroin? Is it it like culturally, like William Wallace actually died? Uh,
1: (laughs) There's a whole economic thing that happened in the 80s that coincided with, because of some EU and opening borders, a very steady supply of heroin out of Afghanistan and Iran. And Mm. that grazed like a whole generation of people who had very, very severe opiate issues and then obviously fentanyl is part of that but their main drug of abuse or at least the ones that seems to be present in the most deaths and present of like 70 some odd percent of all deaths is actually benzodiazepines things like xanax so interesting you know kind of a different drug history and drug format but like when you look at the graph it's crazy because it's like everybody's it it looks like a graph of NFL touchdowns between you, me, and Barry Sanders. Like that it's just like all the other countries So and then Bobby's won.
0: in the least. so there's like there's two guys who are clearly dominant.
1: Yeah. And then there's Bobby <laughs> <laughs> oh dear anyway very very interesting back to syphilis I guess if you (laughs) it is a long roundabout way to talk about drugs and sex but very interesting to see syphilis taking off by the way all the syphilis this is none of these studies are looking at any kind of like drug resistant syphilis and stuff this was all looking at regular easy to treat antibiotic uh, non-resistant syphilis so this is all stuff that somebody could just walk into a doctor and get prescribed something to fix and yet still if this was another country with socialized medicine <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know, the, the, I the, don't... The, the coverage plan for
0: uh, the medical, uh, like the health insurance plan for people who uh, are on heroin tend to not cover sure. a lot of out-of-pocket expenses like syphilis, antibiotics. We don't, we don't really have a system set up for these people to succeed, uh, which kind of sends them further down the spiral.
1: Yes. And if you were talking about insulin, that's definitely like a factor because insulin is very expensive. Antibiotics aren't very expensive even even without insurance or anything and i get your your point that you know a lot of times people don't have access to it to a doctor to prescribe them and
0: we 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 live in mexico so i could walk across sure. the border and get some augmenting tomorrow yes, <laughs> yes that, that, that could true.
1: happen <laughs> that's true uh the issue though is there's a lot of these are like young people A lot of them are young people who, you know, who knows? Maybe they don't know about syphilis. Maybe we've kind of allowed it to lapse into a a cultural memory that we don't quite recall. Uh, Maybe we're not teaching them enough because obviously sex ed programs aren't great in a lot of parts of this country. Maybe it's, you know, a mixture of like the COVID introvertedness that has kind of pervaded the culture mixed with being away from doctors for so long, mixed with some kind of weird shame about sex stuff, uh, mixed with lack of knowledge about everything. But regardless, shocking to hear those levels. We live in
0: a country where people will die so that they don't die in debt because of an ambulance. I really think a lot of this is just access to healthcare. I'm not, I'm no doctorologist to nothing, but I really think most of these problems could be solved with, if people just had access to, I didn't have a fear of going uh, into debt for the rest of their life because they decided to go to the doctor.
1: Found it or not.
0: Which is. I think
1: the fear, the fear, and I, you know, I I resonate with this. I definitely did a lot of my own medical procedures as a young man to avoid uh, the the cost of a doctor. But I don't think I would have any fear when I was dead broke and had no insurance about going to like a clinic to get an antibiotic prescription. I'd have a fear of like, if I broke my arm, that shit's going to bankrupt me for sure. Absolutely. But like the doctor visit for something like that, like a clinic setting and the antibiotics. I'm getting out of there, you know, under seventy bucks, and this pee really, really hurts. <laughs> it's worth it just not to scream at the urinal uh, next to me. But I, I hear you. I, I do think you obviously there's room for like better, better medical treatments and whatnot. I think a lot of it has to do it, like necessarily with ignorance though, because also if you're talking about you know Gen Z, you're talking about a huge percentage of people who are on their parents' healthcare who are. By definition, covered to some extent, even just by their age, depending on the state that they're in. You know, and if you're seeing it in in that style of young person. Anyway, long story short, find somebody who's under the age of 30 and talk to them about how their genitals are doing. And if they say it's kind of itchy and burning, then suggest that they go see a physician.
0: I uh, ask a lot of young 20-year-olds, and I'm called a pervert at the club. Yeah. So I ask a lot of, hey, you look young and hip. How are your genitals? They burn all? it all? The... <laughs> Let me do a test.
1: <laughs> Cough. Oh, dear, thank you, audience, for coming back for Science Faction 690, where you learned all about the biggest little discovery in a long time and why you shouldn't siffle this. Thank you so much for joining us and come on back next week for Science Faction 691. This is McGruff here. I'd have some cool European dogs offer you drugs. Just say no.
0: And don't make out with them either. You've been listening to Science Faction. Wait. That's not right.